Welcome back to part three of making 2022 your best year ever with episode 193 on making your goals automatic by putting auto suggestion into practice with your imagination. As we continue our deep dive into Napoleon Hill's classic book, Think and Grow Rich, that has sold over 15 million copies worldwide. For those new or returning guests, welcome back to season seven of our podcast. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona. And like many of you who tune in, have been fascinated with learning, understanding, and applying the most current brain research to improve productivity in our schools, our sports, and workplace environments. This month, I decided to share my notes with you on a book that I've been studying every January since 2018 with Paul Martinelli, who has studied this book for most of his career. It was a book that my mentor, Bob Proctor, studied for his entire life, over 57 years, and a book that some of the wisest people in the world have studied. If you've been following our episodes of Napoleon Hill's classic book, you'll recall how part one began with a reminder from Grant Cardone that in order to get to the next level of whatever it is you're doing, you must think and act in a wildly different way than we previously have been. We outlined all of the 15 principles that we'll be diving into. And part two, we looked at the importance of positive thinking, being crystal clear with what we want, and choosing faith over fear in pursuit of our goals. Before I began recording these episodes, I didn't know how many it would take to cover these chapters thoroughly. But if you're like me and just want to learn, Keep listening and see if you can add anything new to your goal setting achieving process. We really could keep going all year as each principle we could talk about for an entire month. Therefore, I think it's important to revisit this book every year as we're working on new goals to continue to improve our own process and take our understanding of each principle to a new level. Whatever it is you're working on, a new job or position at work, or smaller steps to a huge vision that you have. It's normal to be skeptical of anything new, especially when the ideas are so abstract. At first glance, the title of this book sounds crazy. Think and Grow Rich. Sounds a bit out there. The only reason I'm covering this book on this podcast is because it's such a classic and has the ability to challenge anyone's thinking and the principles have been used successfully from some of the wisest people in the world. I've met many people while working in the speaking industry who had successfully created beautiful lives with these principles, and they kept coming back to deepen their study, awareness, and understanding. It's a process. When I read about how Jim Carrey used these ideas when he first came into the film industry, visualizing his first $10 million check I wasn't surprised at all. For this episode, we'll move into chapter four on auto-suggestion, chapter five on specialized knowledge, and chapter six on imagination. What I'm noticing is how these chapters all work together, like my mentor Proctor says, like the colors of the rainbow, as we think back to part one of this book study 
And remember this whole process began with the realization that we must think about what we want or desire, as Hill would say, with a high degree of clarity, increasing our awareness of the world, adding an unwavering belief and expectation around the attainment of what we want by choosing faith over fear, overcoming all obstacles, and then put this worthy goal on auto-suggestion by repeating the six steps from the desire chapter twice a day, reading and writing out our vision. If I were to want to stop and freeze at any moment of these 15 principles, it would be right here with the importance of understanding chapter four on auto-suggestion, because if we think about it, for anyone who has attained any level of success in their life, it began with their mind first, and it's best said with his poem by Walter D. Winthel. If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win, but you think you can't, it's almost a cinch you won't. If you think you'll lose, you've lost. For out in the world we find, success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in a state of mind. I'm really starting to think that the secret in these pages lies somewhere with our ability to think. And now Hill introduces the term auto-suggestion or a way of self-conditioning our non-conscious mind. It sounds deep and exciting, at least I think it is. And I'm sure this is why this book is the number six best-selling book on Amazon. But I wonder how many people read the book this way and put this much thinking into each chapter. I definitely didn't until Paul Martinelli walked me through each of the chapters of the book. Let's review what we learned in part one and part two to reinforce what we've covered before we add this new layer. First, we have to know what we want. Begin with identifying what you really want. Clearly define goals written as if you've already attained them. Like, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and write out what you want by a certain date. Then you add feelings and emotions. Engage your emotions, feelings, and expectation, and this has a magical power that continues to drive what you're seeking towards you and you towards it. Get your senses involved. Use all of your five senses to see yourself in attainment of your goal, feel it, and even put something in your physical surroundings that you can touch, like I did a few years ago when I put a small cactus in my room in Toronto to help me to visualize moving to this new location. This small cactus helped me to imagine, beyond my senses, the beautiful landscape and mountains of Arizona when I looked outside of my window in Toronto and could only see snowbanks, frost, and icicles. Next, you want to move on to the power of repetition. Write and repeat what you want twice a day with whatever method works for you. Grant Cardone uses a legal notepad. I read my goals from where they're written on my wall and write them on a notepad and have seen others using letter boards where they have to take the time to write out their goals using letters or whiteboards that they can write on and erase every day. Next, you want to act as if what you want is yours. When someone asks you what you're working on, your language is imperative for the direction of where you're going. Do you say, I'm trying for X, Y, and Z, or I'm in the process of achieving X, Y, and Z that gives a whole different level of confidence? Whenever I hear someone say that they're gonna try something, it's a clear indicator it's not even on their radar. There's no such thing as try. 
You're either doing something or you're not. And finally, choose faith over fear. When you keep moving past all obstacles, you'll notice that new people, circumstances, and situations will come your way to help you. There's no such thing as something for nothing, and this only comes with hard work and perseverance. Which leads us to the next chapter in the process with chapter four, auto-suggestion or self-suggestion. This chapter is best described with a quick lesson on how the mind works. And I first wrote about this in my first book, The Secret for Teens Revealed, in lesson two, What is Your Mind? And I first learned this concept while working with Proctor in the seminar industry, and it really did change the way that I think. The idea of creating order in our mind with the image of the stick person originated from Dr. Thurman Fleet in 1934 and is a way of thinking of our mind. If you look at the image in the show notes labeled A, B, and C of the stick person, A is our conscious mind in the diagram. And it's the part of our mind that we use when we're consciously doing something like reading, studying, learning, solving problems, or even playing sports. Then we have B, our non-conscious mind, and it's the part of our mind that accepts whatever enters it. This is an extremely powerful concept. And since I learned this before I had children, I was very careful of not playing the news around the kids when they were little, even when they were babies. We know that watching and listening to the negativity on the news is not good for us as it seeps into our mind when it's in a submissive state or a baby's mind that's wide open to whatever you put into it. And this can change how we feel. That's because what we're hearing is going right into our non-conscious mind and impacting our body and in turn as adults impacting our results. If you have young children, you can use this to their advantage by guarding their mind from negativity and adding positivity whenever you can, by playing classical music in your home, or also by whispering in their ear before they go to bed at night something powerful like, you will achieve all your goals and live a wonderful, happy life as you send them off to sleep. Always be mindful of what you have playing in the background of your home, with this principle of auto-suggestion, it really does matter. It's also important to think about this when we sit down to eat. Our mind goes into a submissive state when it's not thinking, and anyone else's negative thoughts can go straight into our non-conscious mind. It's very important that we're careful who we surround ourselves with as their thoughts can impact our mood for this reason. And we've all felt this happen. The image in the show notes explains why. Next, we have C or our body. And I know that you'll know that our thinking and attitude can impact our health since our body inherits what our mind expresses. Healthy thoughts put our body in the best environment for health. And conversely, when we dwell on negative situations, that can stress our body and cause dis-ease. A healthy dose of optimism can go a long way with coping with life's stressful situations. Just by looking at the stick person diagram, we can see how auto-suggestion is one way to access our non-conscious mind, so we must be integrity of what we're thinking and feeling, creating the results we want. When our thoughts and feelings are lined up, it's called praxis. And it's the first step towards putting this principle of auto-suggestion into action. 
by repeating your goals twice a day, eventually with time, you'll believe what you're saying, build faith, and it's the belief mixed with faith that will drive your behavior moving forward. Before we move on to the next chapter, five on specialized knowledge, I think it's important to bring up one of the big ideas I learned from working with Bob Proctor, who's been reading this book for his entire life over 57 years. If you go back and listen to episode 67, you'll see big idea number four, where I explain the importance of learning to live beyond our five senses or what we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch that can be limiting. We can access new information, deeper flashes of insight, higher levels of creativity if we learn to live with our six intellectual factors that operate beyond our five senses for a competitive advantage. Napoleon Hill thought that intuition, or the sixth sense as he calls it, and the imagination are so important that he actually included them as chapters or principles in this book. Intuition is a mental tool that gives us answers by picking up the energy or feeling from another person or situation. Sometimes we just know the answer or have a gut feeling. That's our intuition at work, and we must learn to develop and listen to it. With practice, we can learn to trust our intuition and become confident with that which we feel or know. Then we can move confidently towards what we want without any doubts because we've used our higher faculties that instills a level of trust within ourselves. Chapter 5, Specialized Knowledge. To further hone in on what we want, Chapter 5 reminds us to add an understanding of specialized knowledge, which separates you from everyone else, making you special with the knowledge you've acquired. In Chapter 5, we learn that knowledge, general or specialized, must be organized and intelligently directed and is only potential power. It becomes power only when and if it's organized into definite plans of action and directed to a definite end. This makes sense when we think about everything we learn in school, general knowledge, that has no use unless we apply it in some way, specialized. Hill explains this is the missing link in all systems of education, the failure of educational institutions to teach their students how to organize and use knowledge after they acquire it. Henry Ford even said that he has a row of buttons on his desk that he can push to find out answers to anything he wants, general knowledge, and that any person is educated who knows where to get knowledge when needed and how to organize that knowledge into definite plans of action. Through the assistance of his mastermind, Henry Ford had at his command all the specialized knowledge he needed to enable him to become one of the wealthiest men in America. If you think about this principle and what it means, I think about why some books become bestsellers and others are still great, but are missing something. Think about Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that we covered on episode 68 on the Neuroscience of Personal Change. Why was Covey's book so successful and named the number one most influential book of the 20th century, selling more than 40 million copies in 50 plus languages? I think one of the reasons was that it contained specialized knowledge, 
the seven habits in a framework that showed us how to organize and use it after we read the book. We're taught what to do with each habit with clear steps on how to implement this new and specialized knowledge into our life to manage ourselves and others. Next, think about another book, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, that might still be an incredible book, but there's something missing to it. If you've read this book, you might be able to recall something about it, or the Toll worked with Oprah on a series to teach these concepts, or you might remember specifics about the book, but was there a framework to help you to apply what the book was teaching us? Can you remember anything about the framework? There were some incredible lessons in this book, but they were not organized in a framework to help people to use and apply them. Knowledge is not power until it becomes organized in definite plans and actions. And Hill reminds us that just because Henry Ford had little formal education, it didn't mean he was not educated. The word educate comes from the Latin word educo, that means to educe, to draw out, to develop from within. An educated person is not necessarily one who has an abundance of general or specialized knowledge. Educated people have developed the faculties of their mind that we reviewed with big idea number four so that they may acquire anything they want or its equivalent without violating the rights of others. So how do we use specialized knowledge to reach new heights? Are you continually looking to improve your talent? When you can take someone who's developed their talent in a way that comes natural to you, but amazes others, you've developed something unique. This must be improved, honed, and further developed to continue to grow, expand, and meet with success. Do you see how each of these principles of the book are all a part of a formula? It's a process. Be sure that whatever your idea or goal is, that you continue to grow and refine it adding more and more specialized knowledge to what you're building, which brings us to the last piece of the formula in this episode, our imagination. The final part of this episode is when we add our imagination to the mix to think beyond what we can see and into the unknown world where our unattained vision lies. Imagination is everything, according to author Earl Nightingale. All great inventions are created in two separate places, the mind of the inventor and the physical world where the inventor creates it. Our lives reflect how well we use our imagination because when we hit one plateau of success, it will be our imagination that will take us to what's next. When we create our crystal clear vision that we read and write twice a day, we're activating our imagination to do this. When we write and read our vision in detail, it activates cells of recognition in our brain that when we imagine what we write, eventually our brain will accept and recognize what we're telling it, and it will go from feeling like a crazy pipe dream to eventually something that you can see yourself doing. Then one day, what you imagined becomes your reality. Think of all the inventions over the past 50 years that changed how we live our lives. Someone had to think of how the world has changed in the past 10 years with the image in the show notes showing how Amazon has almost no stores, Uber has almost no cars, Facebook creates no content, Airbnb owns no real estate, and Netflix is not a TV channel, and Bitcoin has no physical coins. 
all of these ideas began in someone's imagination and they're all transforming the world. Did you know that in 2020, Jeff Bezos's annual salary from Amazon was $81,840, which qualifies as middle income wage in his home state of California. Bezos's increase in wealth came after 2020, mostly from Amazon stock prices. He is now said to make more in one second than most people make in one week. He makes about $8.9 billion per month, $2.5 billion per week, and $321 million a day. Which brings us to one of the most famous quotes of this book. Napoleon Hill writes, If you're one of those people who believe that hard work and honesty will bring you riches, perish the thought. It is not true. Riches, when they come in huge quantities, are never the result of hard work. Riches come, if they come at all, in response to definite demands based on the application of definite principles and not by chance or luck. I'm sure we can all see how the pandemic caused many of us to shop online, which meant there was a demand for what Bezos had created and Bezos was prepared and ready when the demand hit and I'm sure he had a clear pathway for his vision that he wanted to build. To review part three of our study, to sum up this episode and prepare for chapter seven on organized planning, chapter eight on decision, and chapter nine, my favorite on persistence, don't forget to review the important steps in part one and two. Next, review how our mind thinks with the concept of the stick person so we can see how repeating and writing out our goals is an easy way to put them on auto-suggestion. Next, we want to learn to live beyond our five senses or what we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch that can be limiting. Revisit episode 67 and pay attention to the definition of intuition and imagination since Hill felt they were important enough to list both of these as his 15 principles. Next, keep learning by thinking of how you'll continue to acquire and organize specialized knowledge that will take you to new levels with your craft. Finally, let your imagination soar. Hill suggests reading the entire book first, but coming back to this chapter to put your imagination to work. Remember, this is all a part of a process. If it seems like there are many ideas stacked together, just keep reading and thinking, and each time you put in some more thought to the potential of these ideas, your awareness will expand, giving you a new level of confidence for whatever you're working on. I'll see you in a few days with the next three chapters. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.